This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. It's been said, the smallest steps in the right direction ends up being the biggest and the most important steps of your life. I'm wondering if the little girl who grew up as a part of a large family in Louisiana dreamed of growing up and taking on the responsibility of leading the largest nonprofit dedicated to creating food security in the nation. Let's find out how our leader, the CEO of Feeding America, Claire Babino Fontenot has come to arrive at the, this important place of leadership and why she wanted to journey to this specific destination. Claire joins Jerry and me in just a moment. Welcome, everyone. As promised, uh, Jerry Brisson joins me, as always. Jerry, you're looking wonderful. Nice to see you. And our guest, you're welcome. And our guest, uh, we are so excited, is is our leader. She is our CEO for Feeding America. Um, She is Claire Babineau-Fontenot. She is a a raging Cajun. Uh, And so being from from L.A. myself, from lower Alabama, we were actually uh, next-door neighbors. And so, Claire, it's an honor to have you, the CEO for Feeding America, our friend, our colleague, our leader, and welcome to Food First Michigan. Wow. Well, first, let me thank you so much for giving me the privilege of being on this show, especially with the likes of you two guys. I'm sure your audience knows that I am a leader among leaders, and I'm so proud that we're all part of the same network with the same goals. So thank you, guys. Well, I was just telling you before the show, and and because, you know, we we like to make sure people understand the quality leadership we have. Claire, you're doing a great job at Feeding America. It is so hard to imagine all of the, you know, 200-plus food banks, every state in the country being served, every county in the country being served by a food bank that's a member of Feeding America, and, and through the pandemic, the amount of explosive growth and challenge and the supply chain issues and then just the communication things that have to happen, the fundraising that's been going on, the demands on your time have to be enormous. And, uh, and we just appreciate how you've kept your hand on the, on the plow and, and you just keep us moving forward and your, your, uh, your style and your, um, the things that you, that you find important to speak about and work on are impressive and we are very grateful to have you. So, uh, so now we want to hear from you. I mean, enough from me. Now, you get to say what it's been like for you, Claire. Oh, my God, I can't imagine. Wow. So let me begin by by setting a little bit of context. So coming into the role, I, I joined the Feeding America Network as CEO at the national office uh, on October 1st of 2018. And the good news is that I had enough time 
to get a pretty good sense of who all of you guys are. I had so many opportunities to visit food banks, to talk to CEOs, to better understand what a day in the life looks like for each of you. Through that process, I grew so confident about who you are and what you do. And another piece of great news is that because you guys are so terribly competent and capable and thoughtful, that this network didn't need me to come in and have the best ideas. It needed me to know great ideas when I heard them. It didn't need me to bring in the best people. It needed me to recognize that I had the great privilege to work with remarkable people already. So I think part of my, my most important responsibilities has been to understand who we are as a collective, to have a line of sight on who we can be going forward and to try my best to be a great ambassador for, for who you guys are. So coming into the pandemic, it was scary, of course, for all of us, but I had no doubt in my mind who you guys were and how you were gonna step up. I'd had some recent experiences like during the government shutdown that helped to inform that. But I've known about this network all of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up as a, a kid in South Central Louisiana, another LA, by the way, Phil. Um, right. and, and as I was growing up there, as, as fate would have it, my parents actually used to set up distributions for what was then called Second Harvest um, it's actually now the food bank is still called Second Harvest of New Orleans and Acadiana. But my parents actually used, they, they were community leaders and they knew where the needs were in the community and they partnered with Second Harvest from when I was mm. a kid. And people would come to our house and get the food that they needed. So I've, I've, I've um, respected and appreciated the work of this network from a distance all of my life. And so to have a chance to be in this with you guys, there's no place I would rather be than right here doing this with all of you. Yeah, I feel the same way, Claire. Um, my career has taken me all over the world. Um, I think there's 198 countries. I've been in 128 of them. Uh, but I told Jerry this morning in our pre-production meeting uh, for the show, that I feel like I'm doing the most important work of my life. And, um, you know, comparing what else I've been able to do and, and where I've been able to go, I really feel like that this is the time, this is the place. And I echo what Jerry said, and I think you are the leader for this time and this place for this work right now. And we're, we're, we're proud to have you. Jerry said, it's like herding cats. Now, I only have seven food bankers that I have to work with. You have 208. So my analogy is a little different than that. I don't think our jobs are like herding cats. I think it's herding cats when their tails are on fire. Because, <laughs> because these are all strong leaders. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all great, great men and women uh, of leadership, and it's hard to lead leaders. 
it's a lot harder than leading followers. And so I think that's been part of the remarkable thing that I've observed about you is that, that you came in and you did just what you said. You listened and you heard great ideas and you found great people and you've incorporated those in. And so I think we're going to follow you to the jumping off place. Now, I think I'm going to jump. I'm not sure about Jerry, but (laughs) we're with you. Well, you know, it's uh, it, as as you said that what came to mind for me, Phil, was was how coming into a role when you know, like I did, um, who you're not, I think is mm. is equally important as coming into a role knowing who you are. Mm. And one of the things that food bankers will never have to worry about me pretending to be is a food banker. Right. So I don't go in and act like I know what it means to do the jobs that they do. Um, But I do know that um, I'm put in places for a reason. And that if I listen, if I if I open my mind and my heart to service, that I'll find a path to value. Hmm. And that has been that I brought that with me into this work that I knew there would be a way for me to be helpful. And I was going to try to figure that out. But I also knew it wasn't going to be by going to Jerry, for instance, and say, no, no, Jerry, wagging my finger. That's not the way to run a food bank. Let me with zero days of food banking experience (laughs) tell you how that's to be Uh, done. I didn't do that. And I never will. Yeah, never, ever will. That's awesome. Hey, Jerry, uh, we got to take a break, but set up the next segment. So, you know, and we never do this for our guests, but this is Claire. So we've got to, we've got to, we got to take care of our, our boss, our leader here. What's the next segment? What are we going to talk about? So here's, here's what I want us to think about. You know, one of the things we believe is that, that food insecurity is solvable. And one of the ways that it, that it makes it solvable is there's a place for everyone in this work. There is a place for everyone that wants to have a place in this work. We've just had a regime change. We've just we've just worked our way through a pandemic where we were working with a lot of people who were influential on the red side of the aisle. Now it's moving to the blue side. And I just wanna talk about why it's so important that there's a place for everyone who wants to make a difference in this work. Are we ready for it? We're ready, man. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, Claire Babineau-Fontenot, the CEO of Feeding America, is our guest. We're all three back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, as always, and our featured guest, the CEO of Feeding America, our friend, our colleague, our leader, Claire Babineau-Fontenot. How am I doing with this Louisiana name, Claire? Am I am I just butchering it from Alabama, or am no, I doing okay? No, I've got to tell you, as is usually the case, I am impressed, Phil. 
you have the best Southern twang on a Louisiana <laughs> French name I think that I've ever heard. Well, well done. Well thank done. Thank you. Well, that's a great compliment. We could just end the show right now. But, <laughs> because as Mark will testify, our producer, sometimes in my monologue, I'll have a word that get I get stuck on. And Mark said, why would you write a word that you can't pronounce? I said, well, I can pronounce it in my head. It's just when I try to put it out of my mouth that I get stuck. But So, Jerry, you set up this uh, segment. Um, do a little more setting up, and then let's hear from Claire. Yep. I mean, you know, there's so many people that don't want to see their neighbors hungry for whatever reason, right? And getting there from here is going to be a step-by-step -step process. But one of the things we know to, to have a movement is you have to allow people with different points of view to have a say, to have a part in the solution. And, and because, Claire, you work with us all over the country, you know, the, the deepest red, the deepest blue, and all the purples in between, um, you know, one of the things I'd like to hear your wisdom about is how everyone has a place in this, in this work. Well, Jerry, I find myself once again agreeing with you. Everyone does have a place in this work. I heard it described as a 100% issue. And, and it should be. Hmm. So... Um, the way that I describe our work uh, when people ask questions about in a partisan world, whether or not we are a partisan organization or is this a partisan movement, Jerry, is what the way I, I speak to it is I say that we are a nonpartisan organization because we are. But there are some things that we know are good for people facing hunger. And, and therefore, we consistently stand with them. And, hmm. and the, the beauty of this is there's room for everybody to stand with them too. That um, no matter what it is that you're passionate about, the foundational premise for all the good stuff that happens to a person in this country is usually going to be, it starts with a nutritious mix of good food, right? Hmm. So it's so foundational to us achieving our potential that it cuts across every other issue that we care about, and it should also cut across everything that divides us. Part of the secret sauce of our own network is that I have visited uh, Sharon, Pennsylvania, which is where I believe is our very smallest food bank, and I visited Houston, Texas, which is our largest one. And I visited lots of food banks hmm. in between. And in every single one, I've found dedicated, principled, hardworking people. In no, not one food bank have I gone to where there were not different points of view. But that's actually our secret sauce is that we are an organization that focuses its energy on adding chairs to tables, not taking them away, not squeezing people out, but bringing people in. So um, when we say to, for instance, this administration, the Biden administration, when we say, here, we are hopeful that you're gonna do the things that are gonna be helpful to people facing hunger. That's not a partisan statement. 
That's a statement of conviction around our mission. And in fact, the week before the election, Jerry, I actually did a post. And in that post, I talked about, it was the, I'm sorry, the day before the election, I did a post and it, and it was titled, The Day After the Election. Hmm. And that post spoke to the fact that there were gonna be, according to our estimates at the time, as many as 50 million in this pe- million people in this nation who are gonna be facing food insecurity on the day after the election. That there were gonna be some common sense things we could do together that could change that. And that whoever it is that won that election, that was still gonna be true. And I think it's so important that we find ways to come together. And by the way, another point is, when I look at whom it is that donates to our work, it's about 50% of the people self-identify as progressive and about 50% of the people self-identify as conservative. And it makes sense (laughs) because there are good people across everything that we choose to divide ourselves on. There are good people in every single one of those categories. So I'm all about being inclusive. And when I say inclusive, I actually mean inclusive. I mean, (laughs) bringing people to the table who I hear, I'm very intrigued. If I go into, into, if I have a conversation with Phil or, or with you, Jerry, and you say something that's different than the way I was thinking, Rather than leaning out, I want to lean in. <laughs> right. So, hey, Phil, explain that one to me, because you know that's not the way that I see that. What what causes you to see it like that? Yeah. And then I listen and I learn. And in fact, we had a convening where that was exactly what we were doing. Phil, remember that? Yeah, we're yeah. in Valdosta, Georgia. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and and we were talking about the fact that this is a one hundred percent issue. And that mm-hmm. we need to not, let's not demonize people who happen to disagree with approach. Let's lean in and understand what's the good part about the approach that they're recommending and how could it help people facing hunger. So I'm glad you asked the question. It's something I feel so passionately about. And, and I, can, I can tell you with absolute certainty and clarity, I will never participate in dividing this nation or in dividing our members, or in separating us from the good that we can do to help people who desperately need us, especially now. Oh, that's awesome. In, in that meeting that you referenced in, in Valdosta, you said uh, this, is not a, this is not a partisan issue. It's not even a bipartisan issue. Because with bipartisan, you know, you get the lowest common denominator of where yes, we sir. can agree. This is a nonpartisan issue. Yes. So, so, you know, when people quote other people, the first time they quote them, they say, you know, the, uh, Claire said. The second time they quote, they go, the other day I was thinking. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so, you're, so I, I did a press conference with our governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and I used that line. It's not partisan. It's not bipartisan. It's nonpartisan because... Solving hunger, creating food security is something we can all agree on. Nobody wants to see a child go hungry. Yeah. Nobody. 
And so yeah. I don't care what side of the aisle you are, blue, red, green, whatever. I don't care. Nobody wants to see senior citizens, children, or working families struggle with, with, with the, the toxic stress of food insecurity. So I quoted you, and I absolutely did not give you any credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that might actually be the sincerest form of flattery. So thank you very much, Phil. <laughs> but first, just the idea that this little girl who grew up in the uh, rural South uh, with grandparents who didn't even get to go to formal training in school, sharecroppers on both sides with parents, though absolutely brilliant, who didn't have the privilege of graduating from high school, that that little girl gets to grow up and be quoted and then not quoted by Phil Knight. <laughs> yeah. I That's have it. arrived officially. I have yeah. officially arrived. You, you'll add that to your LinkedIn profile here before <laughs> going. So. Well, that, as Jerry says, that and five ninety nine will get you a latte at Starbucks. So, <laughs> so well, that's I, I think that is spot on. I really do, and I appreciate the philosophy. Um, one other thing to close out this segment that we've done here in Michigan that I think you'd be proud of to further this conversation is that we commissioned a study. It's called the Self Sufficiency Standard, and what it shows is. Um, what's the end? Where's the goal line? Uh, so we know where people are at. We got to help them where they're at, not where we wish we were. But when do we know that we've, we've helped them enough? And the self-sufficiency standard outlines that. And that was a critical component for conversations with our conservative friends. I just want to know when is enough enough? And the, the self-sufficiency standard that we commissioned out of the University of Washington, I think we're the 39th state to do that. Um, has been a great conversation for our conservative colleagues and friends who support this work. I just want to know when is enough is enough, and now we can show them. Hey, hey, Phil, before we close that segment, may I please respond to what you just said? Because there's so much power in that, sure. if, if you can indulge me with it. I think um, part of, of what happens when we, when we don't go get to know people deeply enough to appreciate who they are, is that we come up with these myths and these caricatures about people. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those myths would be that there is this large segment of the population, uh, the part that you don't identify with, whomever it is that you are, the other to you, mm -hmm. who have an aspiration that people have to rely upon the charitable food system, that they have to rely upon government assistance, that they have to, that they not be self-sufficient. A common thread that I've, I've witnessed across people that I interact with, and certainly across the members in our network, is an aspiration that people get to live the American dream, like sure. I did, like I did, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I, am, I am one of the representations, the manifestations of how you can start in one place and end in a very, very different place. But I was provided all kinds of assistance throughout the course of my life. I was provided hands up, mm -hmm. lifts up, and, and without them, my story would be very different than my story is today. So that's actually something that I think cuts across. And I think there are people who don't understand that that's true. So I'm so excited that you 
you have used language that helps people to understand that that is in fact our aspiration and that that has brought people in. Again, I'm about bringing people in, not shutting people down and not shutting people out. Thank you, Phil. You're welcome. Adding chairs to the table. That's our that's our CEO at Feeding America. Uh, Claire is with us today. Jerry Brisson's here. I'm here. Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back. So come back and be with us. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Claire Bavineau-Fontenot, our CEO at Feeding America, and Jerry's boss. So wait, so wait a minute. Nobody Jerry's wishes my, that on themselves. I just swear J- to God. J- J- Jerry's, my, Jerry's my boss, so you know, I just kind of the stair step here. No, so you know, we're we're excited to have you. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, this is this has been great to hear parts of your story. Uh, but Jerry, you've got a question that you've been, you've been waiting for months since we started talking about having Claire on the show that you wanted to ask, this is your moment. Well, you know, because what, you know, on this show, what we're about is the solution, right? And how we keep moving toward the solution to food insecurity. We like to say there are two words that should never go together, child and hunger. We like to say that, you know, that like any big problem, you have to break it down into chunks and start solving for it before you get to the end. And whatever you think now is probably not going to be what it is exactly when you get to the end of the journey. But, you know, fundamentally, we think there's enough will in, in our state and in our country to actually solve this. Now, as you think about the, the big pieces that have to come, as we're, as we're looking at food banking, and particularly what we do and, and the influence we have and our, our feet on the ground, trust that we have in communities, Claire, what do you see as the big pieces that really need to be coming together over the next span of time? Okay. Excellent. Thank you. So you know what? I, I'll start by saying that I've been asked during uh, this pandemic about um, you know, returning to the way things work. And what I share with people when they ask me that, that question is I, I remind them, and sometimes they're not even aware, that before the pandemic, there were 35 million people in this country who were food insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm actually not a proponent of going <laughs> back to the way that we were. I believe that this is a moment in time when we can tear up the old playbook and we can write ourselves a new one. And that's one of the reasons that my response to the other question is as it is, we're going to need, this is an all in fight. It's going to require some transformative things to happen um, inside of the food system. It's going to require that some transformative things happen inside of communities as well. So it's state, it's local, it's government, it's, it's industry. So um, among the ones that just immediately came to mind, Jerry, and I could probably fill in all the time with one of them, but I'll, I'll try to limit, limit it to a few, are some of the things that are mismatches for me that we could solve for. Before the pandemic, I heard a statistic that if you did not count household waste in this country, 
that 72 billion pounds of perfectly edible food were going to landfills. Hmm. We can do something about that, Dr. Phil, Jerry. Mm -hmm. We can find ways to ensure that no one has an empty belly and a full landfill. Yeah. So yeah. The, the matching of that. So there are opportunities, in fact, to use technology and innovation to match up to get to have less food waste and more, more full bellies. So that's hmm. one piece of it. Um, in, in my mind. Another is people misunderstood. And in fact, sometimes spoke to me about that too, in the past, when they'd see our remarkable farmers. And I don't think people realize how much of the food that we provide is food that's grown right here in the United States. And that's being used to feed, uh, the people inside of our communities without the U S farmer, our work doesn't happen without the U S farmer. So, right. Like people would say, oh, isn't that terrible? Those look at those wasteful farmers. They're throwing away eggs and there are people who are hungry or they're throwing away milk and there are people who are hungry. And I'd say, I don't think you understand. We've got to do something about a system that actually puts them in a position where they can't afford to give it away. We can work on that. We can do something about that. If anyone who listens to your show either is a farmer or knows one, then they know that there is no farmer who wants to put in all that labor to throw it away. Sure. We can do something about that too. And we can also focus our energy. So this will be the third leg of the stool just for today. And you'll have to invite me back for me to talk about more stuff, but um, done. We can also Check. address <laughs> as yeah. the third leg of the stool. We can get clear eyed about the fact, the reality that there are certain communities who are inordinately disproportionately impacted by food insecurity. Mm -hmm. We can try to understand what is it that they're going through? Why is it that they're going through it? And what are the things that we could do together? to solve for it, because we're all going to be better off when we do that. That's that rising tide. Uh -huh. All of these boats are going to float better when we address that. So we know that communities of color are disproportionately impacted by food insecurity. We know that rural communities are disproportionately impacted by food insecurity. At the network level, I know that I'm really passionate about being a part of solutions around that as well and exploring mm -hmm. what those solutions are. But rather than thinking from an ivory tower that I know the answers, like I said about I'm not a food banker, I don't have all those solutions. As bright as Dr. Phil and Jerry are, you probably don't have all of those solutions either. It's an all-in fight. We need to get to that grassroots level. But we are uniquely positioned as a network to understand it better. And because mm -hmm. our network includes 200 member food banks and over 60,000 agency partners and meal programs, we can scale it. When we learn something and know that it works, we can scale it and we can have this huge impact across across the country. So when it comes to equity questions and some people struggle a little with it, the way that I describe it is this way. Um, would you decide to set up a mobile food distribution right outside of a beautiful gated community in whatever town you live in? And I hope most of your listeners will say, well, no. Well, is it because you don't care about the people inside of those gates? Absolutely not. 
but it's because those people don't have the same needs as some people in some other communities have. So you bring the food to the people who need it the most. That's part of what I think we've got to do too. We've got to crack the code on understanding that. And again, if you do the hardest problem, then the rest of it gets to be a lot easier, right? So uh, those are the things I think we've got to go do. Well, you're going to want to spend more time in Michigan, and you probably should pick the spring, summer, and fall. There's about about a foot and a half of snow out here right now. But um, again, just what you're talking about, bringing the coalition, the collaborations together we we have three task force at work right now in Michigan appointed by our governor. The first one is the racial disparities task force, um, uh, and 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 it's it formed during and because of COVID. What was the disproportionate uh, effects of COVID on communities of color? The second one is a is the poverty task force. They just released their report yesterday, and uh, it's pretty powerful. And then the third task force, can you believe it? Our governor appointed a food security council. Wow. I, I really think, I think, you know, normally food security gets thrown in under these other task force. We have our own. And uh, the, the synergy that, ha- that is happening between these three task force, I think, is going to give us a very clear perspective and road ahead. And it includes the three identical things that you're talking about right here, about, you know, food waste, farmers' su- support for our agriculture. And also, there, are, there is an equity issue here uh, that we can no longer ignore. You're oh, you're spot on. I you know what? I The truth is, I'm not surprised. I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. And one of the things that I doubt seriously that you tout with your audience is how absolutely important your voices are as members of our network. You brought unique insights. You did it again today. They, they witnessed in real time that I'm taking notes on my phone about <laughs> some of the things that you guys are doing. But that happens. You get a seat at that particular table because you guys have earned it. And one of my most awesome privileges is that everywhere I go, I get the chance to say that I work with people like you, right? I get to be an ambassador of your work, people who are on the ground, in the details, working hard for their neighbors, bringing other people in. I mean, it is the greatest professional. I always have to say it that way because I always think my kids might listen in on one of these shows. And if I say greatest experience of my life, they go, and my husband, my husband of 32 years might take an issue with that bad boy too. So I'll just, so keep in mind. Yeah. Um, but there's I've, I've done many wonderful things, Dr. Phil, just as you said, I've I've this little girl used to be a little girl from from the agricultural south. Um, I've had these fabulous opportunities. I've been in global roles in 28 countries. Um, but nothing has ever been like this. Nothing right. has ever been. I've never had a privilege like the privilege I have today. And you guys have helped me to realize part of that privilege by being your guest. It, it's been a real honor, guys. Well, it's great well, to have you. 
No question about it, Claire. It's great to see you. Great to listen to you and your thoughts as you work with us to try to make, you know, food first, right? And uh, and we know that if 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 we can if we can just stay at it, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. And so that takes leadership, and we appreciate yours. Oh, thank you, guys. I just might come back. Good. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we already checked that box. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire Babineau Fontenot, uh, Fontenot the um, CEO for Feeding America, our friend, colleague, and our leader. Thanks oh. for being our guest today, Claire. It's my privilege. Thank you. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, last word for Claire's uh, show today. Just really appreciate her and her leadership and Feeding America and all they do to help advance this work. It, it's what, you know, it's their part of a big thing, and we are all together in it, and it was so great to have her. Well, time for a little food for thought. Life is full of twists and turns and sometimes detours. But this is what I've learned so far. It does no good to steer a parked car. It's true. You turn the steering wheel as far as you can, and it won't matter. Why? Because you're not moving. Claire's been moving her whole life, and when she was moving and driving down the highway of life, the tiniest nudge of the wheel got her in the right lane. And now she's our leader at Feeding America. Thanks for being with us. Tune in next week and help us every week to keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.